Hi, I'm Margie, and welcome to the Desert Island Dishes podcast. This is the podcast where every week I ask my guests to choose their seven Desert Island dishes. These range from finding out about the dish that most reminds them of their childhood, the best dish they've ever eaten, and of course, the last dish they would choose to eat before being cast off to the Desert Island. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the podcast as it genuinely really does help to give the show a little boost. And for that, I'm very grateful. So I headed out on a very rainy morning in London. I braved puddles and lakes on the pavement and I battled my way to get to today's guest. And I'm very glad I did. Ben is absolutely lovely and what he has achieved is just incredible. He's so modest and I feel very proud to call him a friend. He does indeed, as he will reveal, have the word peas tattooed on his knuckles. He just really loves peas. Head to the website www.desertislanddishes.co to see a picture of Ben, as I do always think it's really nice to put a face to a voice. And you can see the recipe I've created in honor of Ben. Spoiler alert, there are peas. My guest today is Ben Branson. Ben is the founder of Seedlip. Seedlip is a non-alcoholic spirit and it's the first of its kind. Served in gorgeous clear bottles with beautiful branding with names such as Garden 108 and Spice 94. It has all the romance and allure of a gin, except it most definitely is not gin. It's beyond clever. Four years ago, teetotaler Ben started tinkering in his kitchen, buying a copper still and experimenting with herbal remedies. After hours of experimenting, Seedlip was born and the first thousand bottles sold out in just three weeks. The next thousand sold out within three days and the next thousand in 30 minutes online. Pretty impressive. Fast forwards to today and Seedlip's success is the kind that most startups can only dream of. They are stocked in Fortnum & Mason, Selfridges, high-end bars including the Savoy, and in over a hundred Michelin-starred restaurants including the Ledbury and the Fat Duck. Drinks giant Diageo wanted in on the action and invested very early on in Seedlip's journey. But behind every fairy tale story is another more interesting saga of hard work, and as most entrepreneurs will tell you, there's no such thing as an overnight success. Ben bottled and labelled the first thousand bottles himself. He's on the road for more than 240 days of the year and recently attended 20 events in 20 days. When asked the thinking behind Seedlip, Ben answered, I was sick of drinking tonic water on its own and I didn't want to order a Shirley Temple with umbrellas and cherries hanging off it. Welcome, Ben. Hello. Now, what have you got against Shirley Temples with cherries and umbrellas? Yeah, I kind of, I don't know. If, <laughs> uh, the This world, we have a, a word that's banned, sort of the Voldemort word of, of seed lip, which is mocktails. Oh, I thought you might say that. Yeah, yeah, which, I mean, I yeah, fruity, sweet, pink. Yeah, sort of the antithesis of what seed lip is about. Exactly. So Ben, we met many years ago, right when Seedlip was barely more than a twinkle in your eye. And I think I was amongst one of the first people to try the sample. Yes. Um, which is a fact that I tell pretty much anyone who will <laughs> listen at parties. Um, I've already described a little bit about what Seedlip is, but do you want to explain exactly what a non-alcoholic spirit is? Sure. So we we created and developed a process uh, using distillation. So what many people will know from the world of vodka, whiskey, gin, using copper stills to individually 
kind of capture, I guess, the uniqueness and character of each of the individual plants that we work with. And then not adding any sugar, sweetener, no calories, no allergens, but to have something that's best mixed uh, with something like tonic um, yeah. or in non-alcoholic cocktails. It's so clever because you do kind of have to taste it to understand completely, but it's got the same, I mean, I'm going to pretend like I know all the technical lingo, but like the same mouthfeel as something like gin, like it's, it satisfies that sort of thirst that you might get for a drink. It's just unbelievably clever. Yeah, it's very, we deliberately decided not to use juniper, which you have to have to call it a gin. And so we wanted to, I was desperate to kind of work with ingredients on my farm so we use my peas, you know, and I love all spice berries. So in the other products in Seedlip Spice, we kind of wanted to base a flavor profile around all spice berries. And so they're really unique flavor profiles, but they really come to life through a drink. And I guess they're very adult. Yeah, I was going to say that they're very grown up. Yes, which was important because you've got fruity, sweet, you know, childish drinks that you're offered where you feel left out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no one wants the orange juice. No, no one wants your, and no more elderflower. And no, yes, no more elderflower cordial. Right. Let's talk about the first desert island dish of the day. And that's the dish that most reminds you of your childhood. So we, we're, we've been arable farmers for 320 years up in Lincolnshire. And we did dabble with some livestock um, when I was going back kind of 20 years and we had some sheep. I sort of, A, my mum's a great cook and shepherd's pie was a winner on all accounts. But I was kind of fascinated with, you know, the fact that we had sheep and that I love going picking, you know, lambing, picking yeah. out the lamb's tails and trying to play shepherd. And then just the simplicity of kind of a dish that's hearty that your mum's cooked and... The fact that peas are involved, which I love. Yeah, peas um, are the best. And ketchup. Yes. It was just like... You can't have shepherd's pie without ketchup. You cannot have shepherd's pie without ketchup. No. And so it's something that I don't have. I would never have it in a pub. I'd never have it in a restaurant. It's one of those like, this is for home. Yeah. Well, I think it's when you have something that amazing with ingredients like that, it's sort of hard to go back to just like a bog standard one, isn't it? It kind of ruins you for life. Yeah, and it's not cottage pie either, no. you know? No. It's shepherd's pie. Yeah. So was everything home cooked when you were growing up? Yeah. I mean, mum was, you know, having like a sack of our potatoes in the kitchen. Um, it was just an amazing way to learn about where our food came from when it was from you. That, you know, you see today people, kids think, you know, things grow in supermarkets. I know. They um, don't know it's where really things... sad and they don't really know where things come from. Well, I remember being quite shocked. I mean, I don't think you'd grow this in the north of England, but seeing how pineapples grow and just, yep. no, so bad. I yeah, mean, yeah. the age of 30 and I'd never yep. seen that before. Avocados. Yeah. Just, yeah, it's, I mean, uh, with Seedlip, open, it's opened up my eyes in terms of just reconnecting with what we do at the farm and how things are grown all over the world and sustainability, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and so you still grow lots of your own vegetables. And last year, Seedlip had a garden at the Chelsea Flower Show. Yeah. That's incredible. It was. It was a real, I mean, it was, it was one of those things where we were asked, which was very nice if we wanted to design a garden for Chelsea. I mean. That was amazing. Incredible. And it was one of those, I'm going to say, yes, I've got no idea. Yeah. What this takes, how much it costs, whether we can do it, how you do it, 
Um, you just say yes. Just say yes. Yeah. And then we'll sort of scrabble around and try and figure out yeah. how to do it. Like Joey Tribbiani and friends. Exactly. Asked if he could speak French. Exactly. You just say yes. Just say yes. <laughs> and it was, it was a, you know, we were six months old. There were, I think, six of us in the business at the time. And we had a hell of a load of other things that we really should have been doing. This was a 10-month project, you know, with considerable cost, time, effort. But it was such an amazing way to kind of, we talk about, you know, being a nature company. It was kind of like amazing. I'm actually getting pea seed from my farm, sending it down to the growers who are going to grow my pea plants, are going to sit on our garden at Chelsea Flower Show. It's amazing. And yeah, it makes so much sense for your company. And you say that you were approached, but I just love things like when it happens and it's sort of exactly the right thing that you guys should have been doing. Yeah, I mean, the, the funny thing is we were approached by a man who we've just hired. Oh, really? Uh, he just started beginning of this week, actually, as our head of horticulture. Oh, great. Oh, that's Jealous. so cool that you had, a, yeah, you had a head of horticulture. Jealous. So yeah, he's going to be up at the farm. That's amazing. Right, Ben, I want to know about the second desert island dish, and that's the first dish you learned to cook. So I've, I've, um, I've sort of skipped ahead a bit to the first proper dish I was taught to cook. Yes. I love my food and left school and didn't really know what I wanted to do. Went and did a cooking course at least. Yes. And the roast chicken that we were, you know, I, it was the first proper time I was taught how to cook a gravy. And the importance of stock and uh, just creating a really rich, wonderful, velvety gravy that we were then examined on. <gasps> and this plonker next to me knocked the gravy boat over. Oh, on the no, floor. the final moment. Oh, no. That's so I kind of, and the road, it, it sounds, you go to a pub or whatever, you go around someone's house and you have a roast and, it's actually, re- it's a really simple age old thing, you know, uh, some meat, veg, potatoes, and really good gravy, but how to plan that out yeah, and coordinate it and sequence it so that everything sort of, it's a bit, you know, orchestra, cr- orchestra crescendo. Yeah, no, it really is. And my brain's not, not that logical and not that good on the, on the timing sequencing side. So it was a blood. It was like a jigsaw puzzle to yeah. put together. There was actually this really simple dish. <laughs> Again, it involved peas, so I was happy. Yeah, and I passed with distinction, ah. and I'm very happy with with my. I like roast, how you got that in there with my roast chicken. <laughs> um, so, is that something that you still make now? Yeah, it's something that when I've been moved out of cooking duties uh, because my fiance is a, a trained chef, so <laughs> very lucky. Yeah, that, very you know, lucky. We both love food, and I don't get to cook very often now um but yeah you just you can't be a roast no you really can't so i want to know at which point when you were making your first samples of what would then become seed lip mm. did you get that feeling that you really might be onto something i, no, no I one still else... don't have that feeling <laughs> but no one else was doing what you were doing so no. there must have been elements where you just you, know, you sort of asked yourself what were you doing <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still asking myself, what am I doing? Um, when you, when you've kind of, I don't know, it's really, it, it's, it's strange because you, you believe in something and you think you're, in my case, I was like, look, I think, you know, I don't want to drink another crap mocktail. There must be something that's better, more adult, more sophisticated. 
And so it started with me trying to solve my own need. Yeah. Which is a good place to start. Which is a good place to start. And then you you sort of, I, I had a, the inklings of a crazy belief that maybe other people, regardless of why they're not drinking alcohol, should also get to have a great grown-up option if they're not drinking um, that's not fruity and sweet and full of sugar. But then I, I, I was doing it on my own. So you're in the hole of kind of your own thoughts, your own beliefs, your own ideas. And, uh, and then you probably tell a few close friends who are like, yes, Ben, that's a great idea. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, I don't really, you know, it's sort of family and friends. You're kind of like, hey, yeah, I, I know you want the best for me. Yeah. I know you're not going to shoot me down in flames straight away. Um, so do you remember the first person who you weren't related to and who wasn't a good friend that you told about what you were doing? I remember... I had a, a school friend who's also in the drinks industry and he was someone that I hadn't seen for quite a long time. And so he was kind of like, I knew him well enough because we'd spent a lot of time at school together and I knew he was in the drinks industry. So that was sort of my start of like, okay, I'm breaking out of, you know, telling my dad about this. Yeah. And the start of like, have I actually got something that's interesting? And then to be honest, I to me, the whole acid test of all of this was, I need to take this someone really, really top of the range and who I know is going to give me some really honest kind of clear feedback. And a friend of mine introduced me to the bar at Selfridges. Which uh, is kind of a scary moment, isn't it? Because I imagine it's quite nice for a time being in sort of a cocoon thinking, <laughs> I've got this great idea. I'm just not going to tell anyone who could shoot me down and I'll just keep thinking it's a good idea. Yep. Then having to meet someone like that, I mean, that just puts it all into perspective. It does put it all into perspective. And it, I, I was, at this time, I was still sort of like, I, you know, I was running my own design agency. Um, and I was kind of like, Mate, I just want to do something part-time, something on the side, yeah. see how it goes, nice and quiet, <laughs> just a little project. And going to meet Dawn, who is the, the spirits bar at Selfridges, without, and I had some liquid in a bottle, and I had a bottle of tonic, and I had a bottle opener, and I had some pictures of what the design looked like. And for her to tell me before I went that she, A, didn't like anything without alcohol in. Brilliant. Great. <laughs> and B, that I would have 15 minutes of her time. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> I was sort of prepared for this onslaught of like, let me try and say as much as quickly as possible and see, you know, see what she thinks. I spent an hour with her. She wanted to take it there and then of like, <gasps> I, you know, let's, I mean, that's let's launch dream. it. Uh, it was surreal. And then to leave, and I, my memory is pretty bad, but I remember there's an Italian coffee shop opposite Selfridges and I just went in and I sat down and I ordered a coffee and I was just started trying to collect myself. And then my inbox just went boom, 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 five times with the same subject line in each one. Awesome new product, awesome new product, awesome new product, awesome new product. And she basically, without telling me, had decided she wanted to introduce me and the fact that she'd come across Seedlip to the five best bartenders in London. Oh my God, Ben. So yeah, that That's was like, like beyond anything you could even hope for from a meeting. I was just like, whoa, this, okay, great. We've got her endorsement and that's sort of surreal. Yeah, then the, I guess the, the cat is out the back. Yeah. And suddenly... Suddenly it's not a part-time thing. Yeah, it's <laughs> not a little thing that you're working on at home. <laughs> no. That you're really selective of who you choose to tell and you can be as... 
But I guess that's kind of good in a way because it sort of, I mean, obviously good in many ways, but it gave you the nudge that you possibly needed to, you know, make it what it is. It did. And I guess then you you then do get those little inklings of, oh, maybe, maybe, just maybe, maybe there could be something in this. Yeah, definitely maybe. Ben, let's talk about the third desert island dish. And that's the best dish you've ever eaten. This is so hard. Because I'm, I love restaurants so much, and I've got a terrible memory. Yeah, <laughs> um, a great combination. <laughs> a great, a great combination. I mean, the one, the one that it was a meal actually, and instead of one specific dish, that it was just, you know, it was last year actually. Single Thread Farms, which is a now two-starred restaurant outside of San Francisco, Carl McLaughlin, who used to be one of Heston's right-hand man men at the fat duck they'd served a uh, created a non-alcoholic pairing menu using seed lip great which was amazing they grow a lot of their own stuff and then kyle's got a big japanese influence so it was this wonderful like amazing japanese ingredients with produce they'd grown on their farm as well and so it was a very interesting combination Mm. and they served this plate that was a homage to the pea and no one listening can, can homage see to the p <laughs> no, no one listening can see but i have four letters tattooed oh yeah um, i was actually just looking at that on my knuckles the word peas and yeah this I'm, is a serious love it is a serious yeah. love and because of kyle because of that dish i asked kyle where he'd got his peas from explained that we were pea farmers and sea lip garden used my peas and i loved peas uh, and he said, we, we get them from a man called Dr. Calvin Lamble. I was like, I, who's, who is that? I've never heard that name. And Dr. Calvin Lamble is the inventor of the sugar snap pea. Oh my goodness. What a legend. What a legend. Yeah. <laughs> and even more of Why a legend. Why is he not more famous? <laughs> I know. That this, was, he only, this was only released in 1979. I mean, that's outrageous. And Dr. Calvin died last year, at the end of last year. And we're working with his son. And I went out to see his pea laboratory in December. <gasps> we have a garden at Chelsea this next year that's all about the pea. And we're getting three world, world exclusive launches of pea varieties on our garden. Like, so what was one of these amazing pea dishes that you ate? Well, it was it was a dish that was all basically in a pea pod that had been sculpted out that used... Dr. Calvin created these different strains of sugar snap peas. Some were pink, <gasps> purple, yellow, these amazing pea greens that look like a kind of hedge, but they're actually pea shoots. Oh my goodness. Just, it was... Yeah, it was pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, and just... The importance of, A, how amazing I'm being as the fact I'm not drinking, I'm being catered for. Yeah. And I get to enjoy delicious drinks as well. B, the fact that it was surreal that that was seedlit. And C, what it's led on to in terms of both our relationship with them, but also being able to go and visit a pea breeder. I mean, just, you're living the dream, Ben. It's mad. <laughs> so... I came across something you said where you said that a client had told you that typically a human being has a repertoire of six drinks, yes. but seed lip actually falls into its own sort of extra category. Have I got that right? Yeah, well, I, so mum's in farming, dad's in design, and I thought farming was very uncool. And so I went into design yeah. and <laughs> followed dad. And 
I remember doing a project with Dow Egberts, the coffee. Yeah. And this is where I first learned this, that they were talking about, you know, people typically have six drinks. And when you actually think about it, you're like, oh my God, actually, when you think, you know, water, tea, coffee, juice, that's already four. Yeah. So then what are the other two? And then you might have, it might be wine. Oh, I see. And beer. Beer. Yeah. And then you're done. And that's it. Mm. And so actually our, and that's not including a soft drink, a fizzy drink. So actually our repertoire is really small. It's what I guess the, a lot, some of the drinks industry talk about in terms of like wanting to be one of, you know, get into people's repertoire. Yeah. And how difficult that is to penetrate. Yeah. You want to get into their daily yes. ritual. You want to be a habit. Yeah. And you want people to, yeah, always, you know, things like coconut water, you could see over the last five or six years have crept into being in people's daily repertoire and yeah. into their habit and their basket. So what you've done with Seedlip is so ambitious because you are a new category, but I mean, you've done it and it's amazing. But yeah, well, I that think we'd hope, we'd hope that, you know, on that Monday night at home, instead of a glass of wine, that a Seedlip and Tonic would, would fit the bill. Yeah, and um, it, it definitely does. I am maybe the biggest gin and tonic fan ever, but I very regularly switch a gin and tonic for a seedlip. Yeah, nice. I I love it so much. And it it just, yeah, it's as satisfying. It sort of gives you everything that the gin and tonic would, but you don't wake up the next day with a hangover. Yeah, I think it's the ritual of making a drink. Yeah. You don't feel like you're missing out on anything. Yeah, and getting the ice out and a garnish yeah. and just some a little bit of that theatre that makes it feel special. Yeah, and it's so so lovely and bitter but delicious. And... Yep. Right, Ben, we're on to the fourth Desert Island dish. That is, what is your favourite sandwich? I love cricket and I cannot get away from kind of sandwiches at tea time. Oh, yes. Uh, and ham, cheese and pickle. You, I mean find me a better sandwich (laughs) um and is that sort of all sorts you'd happily have one that you buy you'd make one yourself are you thinking those sort of cricket teas where someone's cut off all the crust yeah i'm thinking like little (laughs) triangles and is there anything better i mean i'm i like cheese i'm not fussy cheese wise to be honest with a ham cheese and pickle i'm not i'd go you know bog standard ham cheddar and branston pickle quite happily simple I'd also, you know, you go to a nice, very nice pub and have a homemade chutney and, you know, some beautifully carved wheelchair hat, you know. Yeah. I could happily do that as well. There are different levels, but but you're happy with anything. Ham, cheese and pickle. Yeah. (laughs) I heard a really interesting interview you did where you were talking about competition and you were saying how good competition is. And the example that you gave was Vita Coco and Innocent and how... Actually, it was a really good thing for Vita Coco that Innocent made their own coconut water yep. through the category. That sounds like an invitation, Ben. Yeah, it's not an invitation. <laughs> I think from what my learning of kind of categories, and I'm no expert in it, but I think there are there are lots of examples within different industries where you can't just be a category of one in order for it to A, be a proper category, and B, to actually properly expand grow the awareness without doing all of the work yourself whereas 
and coconut water is the perfect example. You know, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, it didn't exist in the UK. Now there are over 50 brands, for example. Yeah. And it's that's too, good and bad. Yeah. and it, But it's too much for one brand to do all of that work on their own. You it sort is. of need a big player to sort of do some of the legwork. You do. And in the spirits world and in the wine world and in the beer world, you have, you know, f- associations and a big community aspect to something like single malt and the, and the scotch industry that's actually about the what's good for the category and what's good for the industry. Yeah. And that's not about competition. It's about actually protecting the care and consideration and quality and the amount of work and effort that goes into making these things. And yeah. we would follow that same approach with Seedlip. And, you know, we've seen... People start to come into the market. We've seen people start to try and copy us. We've seen other interesting kind of products that actually we're massively in favor of. And it's it's an interesting time because yeah. there's people wanting to make a quick buck and there's other people who are putting real care and, and craft into what they're doing. I, yeah, with something like what you're doing, I guess it's very easy to see who's in it for the money and who's in it for the love of it it is and you know this is it takes 108 days on average to sogram hand pick my peas before they even see a copper still yeah and it's six weeks to make a bottle of sea lip so this is not a quick overnight wham bam thank you know yeah. all done and dusted it's got to be right and you know technically it's difficult and so that's the only sort of yeah concern around competition is that you want it to you don't want people to dilute the market with rubbish stuff no no you want (laughs) people to for the good of kind of actually giving people a good option if they're not drinking they they need to be good quality yeah we're on to the fifth desert island dish and that's the dish you eat the most often yeah so this is the sad question for me does it feature peas no but it features (laughs) airplanes oh Wow, you're talking to the wrong person there, Ben, because I love plain food. Yeah, <laughs> I. so this is a nice problem to have. And it's a surreal kind of situation of, you know, Seedlip's now in 15 of the most dynamic cities around the world. And that's from LA to Sydney, which means I do a lot of traveling. And I always start from a point of I'm going to eat beforehand and not have the food on the plane. It's so hard to do that, though. And then you're it's in there. the bubble of the plane and they put this thing in front of me and, I'm, and I eat it. Yeah, you just turn into sort of Homer Simpson. Just you like, do. And you're not like going it. anywhere. No. So someone's <laughs> just, just kind of put a plate of food in front of you. Yeah. I like food. So, yeah, so sadly. Oh, I'm, I'm kind of jealous. It's a lot of plane food <laughs> and hotel food. I have what is perhaps a silly question, mm. but with all of your experimenting and flavor combinations, have you made a flavor that was just gross? You made lots of things that are gross. It's like something that you thought, oh, this is going to be amazing. And then yeah, you things it. like it's actually florals are really difficult to work with, lavenders and roses. Oh, and, yeah. You know, you, you kind of. Tastes venture, like a bath oil. Yeah, and you venture into soap, real soapy territory. So they do not work i've made some horrible things you know using i mean i've got all kinds of things on the go in my garage but and some of them will taste nice and some of them yeah. will fail and that's part i mean of, that's just the nature of that's it. just the nature of it yeah but yeah lavender it's a tricky i love tricky. the smell of it but yeah it does nice and candles nice and bath oil yeah we don't want to drink it. no no one wants to taste that the sixth desert island dish is your go-to dinner party dish 
my go-to dinner party dish is actually one that I haven't created yet. And I know that's such a cop-out. Okay, um, what do you mean by that? Well, I bought a, for anyone who knows about smokers. Yes. I bought a Bradley smoker, Bradley cold smoker, which is a pretty good smoker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's a pretty big smoker. Um, and I, yeah, I like all smoked food, drink. And so I, I kind of, if I had, yeah, if I had the more time, what to, would you smoke? Well, I I kind of, I sort of want to base a, I could base a menu around the actual ingredients that we use in Seedlip, but actually take them from a drink to a dish. And so when you've got things like oak and cardamom and grapefruit, and so smoking things like grapefruit pills and yeah, for food. So this is where you can really indulge your sort of inner crazy scientist. Yeah, because I've got all these, <laughs> you know, I've got lots of, I've got stills and sous vide ones and smokers and loads of fun stuff in my garage. And so I approach a drink and we approach making our cocktails as like a, hopefully like a chef would approach making a plate of food. And, yeah. And that starts with incredible ingredients and great produce. Yeah. It's really hard to make something amazing without that and yep. actually surprisingly simple to make something delicious yep. if you've got great ingredients. Yes, yeah. I bought some, I love oranges and, you know, the difference between an emperor orange and a Seville orange, you can just see the difference. Yeah. And so, yeah, kind of, go, we don't get to, I don't get to create food very often, but the challenge of taking you know, peas, hay, rosemary, thyme, spearmint, hops, which we use in Seedlip Garden, and reversing it and thinking about a plate of food, I think it would be pretty exciting to yeah. serve some. Okay, well, when you get around to doing that, I'll I will come know. and eat it. <laughs> I'll let you know. We're just about still in January now, the famous dry January. Mm. But I wondered, are people drinking less in general? Is that sort of a trend that you're the seeing? The trend is, yeah, globally, that people are drinking less volume of alcohol they're willing to spend more on what they drink, which yeah. ultimately means they're drinking better. Yeah. That's the kind of, yeah, that's what's going on in, in alcohol. And then in, in soft drinks, people are drinking less sugary, fizzy drinks. Yeah. And they are willing to pay more for better drinks and they're drinking better soft drinks. So sort of the perfect, like with any business, obviously timing is key and you literally couldn't have planned it better it's amazing it's everything yeah like, like a triumvirate 100 99% of the growth that we've seen is all down to the timing it's it's if we'd launched two years later we'd have been too late and if we'd launched two years earlier I think we would have had a really difficult two years because it, it is possible to be too early it, it is it yeah. really is and my to be so bold as to say kind of success no no starting oh. working on seedlip yeah and mucking around with stuff, I was too early. Yeah, but you needed that stage. You do, and the, it took me two years to create Seedlip. So the the nature of how long it takes to create food and drink companies and new processes, etc. And you actually have no control over the timing, so you you could only do what you can do. And yes, you know, you've... and that's as fast as I could. I'm very impatient. And yeah. That's as fast as I could do it. Yeah, but it yeah, it's at a time when it it rings true with people that actually, yeah, they don't, they don't want to have a glass of wine at lunchtime. No. Because they want to be able to go back to work. 
Yeah. And I know. Think back to the olden days. Yeah. Got so dr- the olden days. The olden like when, days. <laughs> years ago. Like days of yore. Yes. Yeah. People got so drunk. Yeah. Lunch. I mean, I can't do anything. Yeah. Half yeah. Yeah. You're like, wine. well, then that's the afternoon over. Well, yeah. It's a, and the next day, <laughs> it's just yes. the write-off yes. and just full of bacon sandwiches. Yes. That was a good shout for the sandwich. We're on to the final seventh desert island dish. And that's the last dish you would choose to eat before being cast off to the desert island. Uh, roast lamb from my mum, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Mint jelly, I'm a massive fan of. And I go back up to Lincolnshire, I don't know, once every... I try and get back up there sort of once every three or four months. And mum loves doing it. Oh, And... She knows I love it. And, you know, if, especially if I'm, I can be up there with my brothers as well. She makes way too much. The best. I, I eat way too much. Yeah. <laughs> How could you not? <laughs> it, it just, yeah, you, um, no one can do it better. You know, no one can do it better. Um, so I think, A, it'd be before I go off to some desert island, it'd be lovely to actually see my mother. Yeah. I think that's. A good, yeah. a good son yes. thing to do. I mean, the fact that I'm <laughs> no actually too. asking her to cook for me, you know, is another one. But she won't mind. She won't mind. And Ben, you're allowed to take with you one luxury item. What are you going to take with you? That is a very good question. I think I'd probably take my Jack Russell. Oh, I mean, as a dog. Lover. I mean, my fiance would. <laughs> You're not allowed to take people, and I told oh, I, you're not allowed to take I obviously people. told okay. you that before. Oh yeah, of course I knew that. <laughs> um, yeah, my but don't Jack, you have two dogs? I do. So that's a bit mean. Why well, are you I taking do. the Jack Russell? Kiwi was. I mean, the the background to this is my my mother. Hearing a lot about my mother this this over this interview, she's dog crazy. So we grew up with eight dogs. Okay, and uh, love dogs. And Kiwi was my first dog of my own yeah and she's nine yeah, she's your firstborn she's my firstborn she's an absolute little monkey but yeah i think she'd be good for hunting she'd you could use her as a pillow she's a good barker yeah great good pillow okay well we're gonna send you and kiwi off to the <laughs> island thank you so much for letting us hear your design thank you Well, I hope you're feeling inspired after that. Loads of little nuggets and tips in there. And I mean, I definitely learned loads. Not least that maybe I need to stop banging on about how much I love plain food. (laughs) Anyway, have a wonderful week, everyone. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. Don't forget to rate and review. And of course, tell all your friends. Thank you and bye for now.